0: Are you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach, and I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Welcome to episode 406 of the Write Hour. I'm Joyce Glass, your host, and tonight I'm flying solo, nobody to interview, but I have some great content to help you with the craft of writing. When you go to a restaurant to order a meal, do you want a waiter who knows the menu very well and they can make suggestions for you, they know what's included with each meal and what your options are, or do you prefer one that, eh, he sort of knows the menu and Really, he just wants to take your order and leave. I know for me, I prefer the waiter who knows his job and who can help me, and you probably do too. And as a writer, your reader wants to read informative but compelling articles and blog posts and books from you. They don't want to wade through your rambling thoughts. They want you to get to the point quickly, support it, drive it home, and keep it moving. Avoiding these blunders that we're going to talk about today will keep your work interesting and your momentum going. I love helping my clients learn the craft of writing, and I'm so glad that you're here today to learn some more about your writing profession. We're going to go over four blunders that you want to avoid. If you seek to be a professional writer, the more you learn about the craft of writing, the more readers you will attract to your writing. So you'll be able to review these on the show notes. I'll have this if you want to read as I do it or if you just want to read this instead of listening to me. But I want to give some examples and you never know what may come out of my mouth. So it's always good to listen and this won't take too long. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. But the first one is don't overuse the thesaurus. Everybody loves the thesaurus, but they they know you can write and find great words. So, but finding that best word can be difficult sometimes, and using a thesaurus is important. But don't let it squelch your creative instinct. You want to rely on that first and then go to the thesaurus if you need to. You don't want to let that thesaurus dilute or stifle your writing. You don't want to rely on the thesaurus too much either. And just because the word is on the list does not mean it's appropriate. This is very important to check. And this is part of the reason I use powerthesaurus.com all the time. It, there's an app for my iPad now and it, you can find it online Which I, and I think the app is on your, can be used on your phone too. So, go to powerthesaurus.com. It gives you the definition of the word. It will also give you the definition of each synonym, too. And you all you have to do is click on the word, and the definition will show up. And that way you can make sure it is in context with what you're writing. Your writing will be more stilted and lifeless if you have all these little perfect words in there. Or it's going to sound strange because you've got all these very either fancy words, flowery words, to say something that you could say more clearly and succinctly with less words. William Noble says, Relying on the thesaurus too much can make you mentally lazy and blunt your creativity. Think of it as an aid and not an answer. The next thing that you want to avoid is don't wallow in a sentence straitjacket. William Noble says, Probes sentences resembling cookie-cutter models, which means they're the same size, the same order, same surface, same material, line after line, offer no variety, and hence, there's no excitement, no spice. So an example of this would be, The day was cold and raw. It snowed a little. The barn walls had peeling green paint. The hay bales were stacked up. The old car was on blocks by the door, blah 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 blah. Kind of reminds you of Charlie Brown's teacher, right? <laughs> well, do you feel the life draining out of you as I read those sentences? They have the same length, the same rhythm, the same sentence structure, and that's what you want to avoid because you don't want to be boring your readers to death. So, as you edit your work, this is not something to worry about when you're writing. When you are just writing and getting the words on the page, remember writing and editing are two different activities. Writing is a creative activity in that you, that uses a different part of the brain than when you use when you edit, that is the analytical side of your brain. So, writing is creative editing is analytical. You do not want to try to do those at the same time. So when you're paying attention to these blunders is when you're in the editing phase. And when you edit and you're working on your writing, look for these identical sentences. Make sure you're spicing things up with different lengths, different structures, different sounds. I have a good example here. This is from um, one of my favorite authors. Stephen James and Singularity, and this is how you can avoid this sentence straitjacket. So here's a paragraph from his book, Singularity. Truthfully, Lady Luck has nothing to do with your winnings, Senor Computer does. He's the one who decides how much you're going to win at the slots. The best odds are always when you're playing the tables, and that's where the next generation wants to gamble. There's a saying around here that there are two types of people who leave Vegas. Losers and liars. Not too many people figure out how to exit our city without becoming one or the other. So you see how that was interesting. There was a little rhythm to it, but it wasn't a constant ho-hum kind of rhythm to it. And it kept it interesting. You want to keep your readers awake when your sentence structure is varied. It keeps it interesting. Now compare these two examples. The day was cloudy and he was depressed. The wind blew and he watched the tree branches whipsaw about. The ground was soggy, not an ounce of comfort here. Okay, there's the first one. Now, rewritten, listen to this. The day was cloudy. Lord, he was depressed. Tree branches whipsawing in the cold wind, soggy earth under his poor shoes. Not an ounce of comfort here. Can you feel the difference? The second one evokes emotion and an image. They say the exact same thing, but one has feeling and and you can, like you're there with him and you can feel the cold wind and the soggy earth pouring into your shoes, you know. And the, the first one is like reading a boring letter from a relative who's just relaying information to you. You don't want to be doing that. You just don't want to relay information to people. You want them to feel it. You want to evoke images. You want to be um, compelling and powerful and motivating. So make sure that you are putting your words together in ways that are interesting and powerful. Be careful not to use the same word in a paragraph repeatedly. This is something I've seen with my clients. Depending what you're writing about, it may be necessary, but avoid it as much as possible. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. She graciously accepted the gift. And then a few sentences later, you might say, While he accepted the gracious gesture from the host, he was ready to leave. If this is in the same paragraph, you want to change one of these. Either change the gracious gesture or something else. Or just say she accepted the gift. She accepted the generous gift. You know, that could be a way to say that. And leave gracious gesture. Whatever works. But make it... Do you see how that can make that more interesting by changing to two words? Because if you keep using the same word, it's going to become boring for the reader. And they're going to be going, why does she keep using this word so much? She loves it because... I don't remember. There was a book I read and there was a word that kept coming up and I'm like, I really like using that word. (laughs) So, using active voice keeps the pace of your writing interesting and I go into great detail about active voice versus passive voice in episode 402. So, I recommend you check that out if you have not already. And then, the same thing applies for your paragraphs. You want them to vary in length of paragraphs. You don't want all short paragraphs or all long paragraphs. You want short and medium and long. You want to keep it interesting for the reader and make it appropriate. And you may wonder, well, how do I know when to change paragraph? If you, like, change thoughts, if you, you're you talking about something but then you start to talk about something a little different, then you know, create a new paragraph. that. Don't keep going on and on. So that's the second one. So the first one is don't overuse the thesaurus. The second one is don't wallow in a sentence straight jacket, meaning it's the same size, order, and structure. You want to vary that up. The same thing with your paragraphs. Now, the third one is don't write the perfect paragraph. And what that means is shiny paragraph without any style is what, something that you might have been taught in high school comp class. And you have this perfect little paragraph that has the lead-in sentence and your support and then your closing sentence. And it's, you know, they're all the same size. You don't want to do that. But you do want to know is your audience. And you want to write for your audience. So if you're writing for younger people, generally they do not prefer a bunch of long paragraphs droning on about a topic. You want to keep them short with stories and quotes, things to keep the momentum going, keep them reading, keep their eye moving. But depending upon your audience, it will also depend on your style of writing. You know, A book for preteens or teens is going to have a different sound and feel than it is one for pastors in the middle of their career. Or leadership for people over 50 you know it's they're going to have different fields they're going to have different structures know your audience know what they want and if you're not sure who your audience is or you're not sure what your audience wants then ask some people in that age group what do they want what do they like and then the perfect paragraph is just an illusion and trying to create it will frustrate you. So don't even bother trying to make this so called perfect paragraph. You want to keep your readers in mind what will keep them turning the page to learn more or find out how the story is. You know, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, the same principle applies. And then the last of the four blunders is don't repeat without relevance. And many of my clients struggle with this. It's called tautology, if I'm saying it correctly, but what a tautology is is saying the same thing twice with different words generally considered to be a fault of style. So, for an example would be, they arrived one after the other in, ex- in succession. Well, one after the other is succession, so you don't need in succession. So, you would need to say one or the other. Either they arrived in succession or they arrived one after the other another example is my own home well you it's if it's your home it's nobody else's home I mean obviously if your family there but if you're in a sentence so it, you would just say my home you don't have to say my own home you just say my home and that's like anything my own site my own book my own car whatever you always just want to say my car my book uh, you don't have to put my own in there. Your writing will appear disorganized and un- or it could be look uninteresting if you keep repeating things like that. It's going to look unprofessional too because you're just going to look like you don't know what you're talking about if you just keep repeating yourself. But on the flip side, not all repetition is bad. Repetitive words and phrases or punctuation that can be used for style to make an important point or set a mood that that you've got to learn. That's something that just takes some time to figure out and learn. But be careful what you're repeating. Are, it has to be have a purpose. Repetition must be done with a purpose. So, what is the purpose of your rep- repetition? Are you, you know, adding tension to a story, or are you trying to drive home a point? Are you trying to, you know, evoke a mood? So, whatever it is, it needs to have a purpose. So, all of these blunders have come from Noble's book of writing blunders by William Noble. And I want to read um, his bad example of Do Not Repeat without, Without Relevance. And it's a little bit long, but it is interesting, and I, I, you know, there was no way to really condense it, I love the way he said it, um, but it's not too terribly long, it's just like a half page here, so I'm going to read this to you real quick, his example, I know this well, because I was guilty of it in a nonfiction book manuscript, in one chapter, there was a profile of a man who had acquired substantial power in his profession. He was politically astute and manipulative while offering a hearty, disarming presence, and he seemed unconcerned whether means and ends were compatible. In his cynicism, there was a corruptibility, and I wanted to get that across. But how? Saying it outright had the disadvantage of making it undramatic. Any book, fiction or nonfiction, that pulls dramatic punches is asking for trouble. I wanted to portray this dramatically. Perhaps a repetitive phrase would do. There was nothing he himself had said that I could use, nothing he repeated over and over, but I could interject myself as a writer into the story and offer a second voice. I knew that he had achieved power within his organization through political manipulation. Politics corrupt, I decided, and as I wrote the chapter, I injected the phrase, politics corrupts, with an exclamation point, when it seemed appropriate, usually after a self-congratulatory dialogue or a description of his various successes. Politics corrupts. I was pleased, and I remained even so after a second rewrite. I sent a draft of the chapter to my editor. Perhaps my subconscious was trying to tell me something. Unless specifically asked, I never sent in drafts. And her response was clear and to the point. The repetitive phrase tended to confuse things, remove it. I put the manuscript away a few, for a few days, and then reread it. As I faced the ogre of author's pride, which we all have, and which only the surest among us can control, I began to see what the editor meant. The repetitive phrase did not extend the meaning of what was already in the manuscript because of the character himself through his own words or actions had already made clear that politics corrupts. Adding my author's voice was superfluous and actually tended to irritate the reader because it was telling the reader something the reader already knew. There was nothing in politics corrupts either by meaning or by impact that was new. It grieved me because I had been so pleased with myself I saw this as a sophisticated way to bring out the full range of disagreeable characteristics, something different, something unusual, but it didn't work. And I learned a valuable lesson. Repeating a word or phrase can add luster to your work, but it must be approached gingerly. So I will put the link to this is Noble's Book of Writing Blunders. It's a older book and but it has some excellent, excellent tips in here that for writers even today and so this is four of those blunders that I shared with you today from William Noble's book Writing Blunders by William Noble and so if you have any questions please leave in the comments on the show notes I thank you for listening and I hope this helps you grow in the craft and business of writing until next week I have you hope you have a good day and happy writing <music> Thank you for listening to the broadcast. If you are wondering how to start your writing journey but feel overwhelmed or confused, after taking four years to write my first book, I completely understand. I created the four steps to the right book and you can sign up for it, the short email series on my website at therightcoach.biz That's T-H-E-W-R-I-T-E Coach C O A C H biz.biz B-I-Z, or go to the link in the show notes for this podcast and find the sign up on the side there's a side pop out or on your phone it's at the bottom in little blue bar and it pops up or on the homepage at the bottom you can sign up for the four steps to the right book. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content and complete your book. I share tips on the writing process. And you can download the writing planner to track your progress and create your weekly and monthly milestones to complete your book. Don't let fear and overwhelm stop you from writing your book. It's time to write your book.